0: Hey everyone, Alex here. Just a quick recording note before we begin this fourth off-season episode of Raise the Roof. Audio was a bit shaky and a bit weird because the Wi-Fi in my house was a little bit weird, and Brett's Wi-Fi, who uh, was our special guest, was also a little bit wonky, so so I tried to splice the audio and change it as best as possible for the episode. Again, quick apologies for that, but we hope that you still enjoy this fourth off-season episode of Raise the Roof. It's time to raise the roof for our fourth off-season podcast. Uh, We have kind of a little change of uh, pace here because Evan's finally back the first time in a little bit. Uh, Gibby's not here because he's sick, unfortunately, but everything's all good. We have another special guest uh, as 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 you all know, we're trying to get a bunch of people from the Rays community on. So quick, uh, we will introduce special guests in just a sec, but Evan, we haven't talked to you a little bit. How's it going? <laughs>
1: good. Um, Yeah, being home was great for Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, There was a huge day. I think it was last Wednesday, maybe, maybe last Tuesday in Rays News where we lost Morton and then Randy got arrested. <laughs> But I mean, I think those charges are fine now. I heard they were yeah. dropped, and I, have we, we haven't done podcasts since then, so have we? Oh no,
0: no, we literally did the podcast like like the day after.
1: Okay, all Sorry. that stuff
0: happened. Going. So yeah, it was uh, it was quite a day. Yeah, more or less.
1: Yeah, I can't believe I cannot believe that Morton got fifteen million. But and I'm glad we didn't match that. I'm glad we did not go fifteen million or above because, I mean, he he wasn't that good last year. Like, he had a good play. He had good game, game seven against the Astros. But other than that, in the regular season, he didn't look good. He's less durable. He was injured for most of the year. Like, I think me and you, Alex, said I think eight or nine million at the most. Yeah. And I stood by that. I was like, I'm fine. I'm If you if they give him $15 million, then that's – they win. The Braves, they won that. And I hope he does well. I, Charlie seems like a really good guy. So, but, yeah, I mean, that's what I thought about the matter. Yeah,
0: yeah uh yeah so it was was crazy when we were talking about all that and i know that um uh we i we were all just kind of surprised everything I, i was surprised he got 15 but you know it is what it is hope he does well in atlanta uh but without further ado we do have a special guest on uh brett rutherford of the raise your voice podcast uh in the what is it the d ray is it called like the d Rays bay podcast network essentially is that what it's called
2: yeah, we've, we've got a couple of podcasts. We've got Raise Your Voice and then the hit show that uh, a couple other guys at our site do, uh, and, yeah, I've been doing that. So I started Raise Your Voice for, before the 2019 season, during the, that off season leading up to it, and just did it for fun. And uh, it wasn't as consistent, and I, I kind of wanted to build on it. And so teamed up with the guys at D-Race Bay, and uh, it's been great doing that the whole year. We did instant reaction podcasts after every single playoff game. Uh, which I was recording, hosting, editing, uploading, and it was a grind. But you know, it was fun to do it throughout the postseason and as deep as the Rays went, it was a blast. And I think much like you guys, you know, I spend so much time talking about the Rays, anyways, might as well record it and and put it on the internet. So it, it it's a bunch of fun, and uh, I love doing it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Man, uh, I completely agree, and I actually know that there are other Rays fans out there. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody else Rays fan other than my older brother, and, and obviously you guys and you guys. And, you, and you guys. <laughs> but yeah, it's nice to know that we're out, we're out there somewhere. Yeah,
2: we're out there. We're definitely out there.
0: Yeah, the, the more Rays fans that we can find, the better. So, uh, so Brett recently graduated from Florida State. Um, uh, I'm assuming because you just talked about broadcast journalism, I'm, I'm assuming you did broadcast journalism there. And are you in their master's program there currently?
2: yeah so I, I was a media communication studies uh major at florida state and i'm in i'm in the same program for my master's degree they they there is no um journalism school at florida state okay uh, our uh, another uh, school in tallahassee florida and m university has a journalism school so there's not one in, at florida state and there's there's so there's no broadcast journalism but i, I was involved there heavily at florida state at the uh, student-run radio station wvfs on campus where i hosted sports talk radio shows and 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 covered Florida state athletics for, for a few years. But in terms of, uh, in terms of broadcast journalism, not much to be found at Florida state, but still plenty of opportunities.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, well, I mean, I mean, you've definitely found some opportunities, especially here in the race community doing this podcast. So, uh, it's, it's great. We, again, we, we, we appreciate you coming on. Um, but, uh, that leads me into talking about kind of the news of the last week. So kind of the big thing was the non tender deadline, which I think was today, correct me if I'm wrong, either, either yesterday or today, right?
2: Yesterday, yesterday, 8 PM.
0: Yeah. So yesterday at eight PM was the non tender deadline, tender deadline for Major League Baseball. Uh, the Rays, I think, had somewhere around seven or eight guys that were um, in that tender non tender category. And I know people were were saying one way or another, uh, one way or another, which guys they thought were going to stay, which guys they thought they were going to let go, clear waivers and go to free agency. They ended up. Um, tendering seven guys uh, most of the guys that uh, most most of the players that you kind of assumed that they were going to so just going through the list here Jose Alvarado Yanni Chirinos G-Man Choi Tyler Glass now Manny Margot Joey Wendell uh, Ryan Yarbrough uh, oh yeah and Ryan Yarbrough so I was just reading through the T-Rays Bay article Uh, and I think the only guy that they didn't or uh, that they non-tendered was, if I'm not mistaken, Edgar Garcia, who I know really didn't do anything for the team this year. I, I don't even know if he was on the team. I, I, I don't even think.
1: Did you pitch a couple times?
0: Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, that one was interesting though, because they they went out and got him from the Phillies, and they gave up uh, Rodolfo Sanchez. It was a player to be named later, and it came out in the offseason that it was it was going to be Rodolfo Sanchez and. Edgar Garcia is a guy that has I think a potential as a reliever in the big leagues and maybe gets it elsewhere but in terms of roster crunch like the Rays bullpen you guys know how deep it is yeah. it wasn't necessarily a spot for him so not too shocked by that one but Yeah
1: I mean yeah I agree like he was I don't exactly know what his numbers were but I remember him being like a pretty solid reliever and like like you said he's going to be a good player in almost any other bullpen just our bullpen is one of the more loaded if not the lo- most loaded loaded open in the league so like it's nothing against him it's just what he's surrounded by i think
0: yeah definitely but do you guys think it's surprising that they tendered everyone like 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 did did you think that at least a few of these names were guys that they could have possibly let go
1: maybe maybe alvarado um just just depending on how hurt he's been over the last two years i mean he played maybe 20 games this year probably not even that much um, he was also hurt a lot last year. Um, I'm not really surprised by any of the others. Uh, all the others were high like high production players. Um, I mean, they all played really well in the postseason. Torino's obviously isn't coming back for probably another year or so because he got Tommy John, I'm pretty sure. Um, but he's still really good. I'm not really surprised by any of the others other than Alvarado, I would say.
2: Yeah, the two names I was looking at were, were G-Man Troy and Joey Wendell. And G-Man Troy, we kind of had Nate Lowe sitting in the minor leagues, maybe ready to, to come up and, and be the everyday first baseman at some point. The Rays have kind of made it clear that they're not ready for that to happen. They've kept G-Man Troy around. He was a guy that I was really hoping they didn't because as things stand, personally, I think G-Man Troy is better than Nate Lowe. I think they're maybe the same type of hitter, same level of production Nate Lowe might have a little bit more power but really the defense that I saw at a G-man like in the postseason I would have been I would have been upset if they let him go Joey Wendell's another guy that they're going to replace at some point this season probably with Wander Franco like his spot on the roster in terms of an infielder that that can play in multiple spots so I, I I wasn't shocked that they tendered contracts to everyone but I was kind of expecting a trade before the deadline to make some I think there's thirty nine after Sia was cut. So I'm happy that they're all back because I love watching these guys. Like they just went on a great World Series run. But I think I was mentally preparing myself for the Rays to try to shave maybe a few hundred thousand dollars off the payroll by getting rid of Gina and Troy, because that's what the Rays do. But they ended up keeping him for now. Maybe they try to move him in a trade. But I'm I'm happy to see him back.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think that there were a few guys. I thought that Troy was one of those guys just because I know things are getting really clogged up in the infield. And I know that they were looking at some pieces that they could possibly move. It's just sad, or I mean, not sad, but it's just unfortunate what's going on with Nate Lowe, because honestly I think that they could probably trade him. Like if they don't want to use him in the capacity that he, that he currently is on the team, they could, they could probably trade him and get some pieces back. And I think that would help them out. I mean, not try to get pieces, you know, at, at first base, if they're going to keep Choi for the long haul, but do something to kind of get some return back. I was really happy that um, uh, they tendered Yarbrough. I know that he was probably going to get tendered anyways, but um, having someone like that, a reliable guy, uh, who's I know is not—he—he he was the guy that always came in after the opener um, in in these last few years. But I think that I mean, if they if they try to make him more into that starter, that I think that he um, that he's shown that he can be. I uh, I think he's going to be a big asset, and i I've, I've always said that he's probably one of the most reliable pitchers in baseball in terms of what you're looking for in a guy who's not going to be a one, two, or three starter. I mean, he's he's at best, he's a fourth. Uh, I would say at best, he's a fourth starter. But as a fourth starter, that's a really good fourth starter to have in your rotation. But I'm, I'm really happy that we kept him. And obviously, I mean, there was no way that they weren't going to tender glass now because if they, if they didn't, that would have looked really bad. So they tendered two starters, which is really good. Um, I'm hoping Margot can have a little bit more of an impact during the season. I mean, obviously, he had the impact in the postseason. Same thing with Wendell. Because uh, I was I was out on Wendell, I think it was, what, 20 oh – God, what was it? It was either at the end of 2018 or 2019 because he was taking up second base and I wanted Lau to be at second base because Wendell was like the guy that I thought they were going to DFA because he, he, had, he had just gotten injured. He was hitting like 200. And I was like, why is he on this team right now? He's such a waste. Like, like Lau should be starting at second. And then he finally showed his worth in the postseason this year and had some clutch hits, had some amazing plays. And I, I agree with, uh, uh, with what you said, Brett, about they're probably – he's probably not going to be playing an everyday role. He'll probably be some sort of utility guy, but I'm just glad that they kept him in some sort of capacity because he's a very reliable player on this team.
2: Yeah, I was really happy to see him not get non-tendered. I mm-hmm. think that they might try to work out a trade. They might use to try to move him via trade, which shows like, that, that, that the Rays value him and that other teams might value him too. We've thrown around a couple names uh, uh, like over on the D-Rays Bay podcast. Uh, Vince Velasquez, maybe if they try to bring in a pitcher from the Phillies, move him over there. Uh, we were just kind of spitballing. But Joey Wendell is a good big league ball player. The thing is, the Rays could probably improve on his roster spot with the guys they've got coming up—Bruhan, Franco, Taylor Walls, etc. Right now, besides Taylor Walls, Joey Wendell is the only guy that could you would really trust at shortstop on the 40-man roster uh, to to fill in for Willie Adamas when he needs a day off. So, whenever the time comes that they're ready to call up Wander Franco or have Taylor Walls on the big league squad, Joey Wendell's got a valuable piece on the on the roster. And if the Rays move him, I I really hope he gets a shot somewhere else because, like you said, in the postseason defensively, offensively, just a really solid player. Yeah,
1: and people forget that he was, I think he was fourth or fifth in the year voting since 2018. He batted 300. Um, and I mean he was probably the second best defender in on the Rays this postseason behind Margot. Margot was pro- I would probably, and, I mean it's so tough because they made so many good defensive plays, but Wendell made play after play that. I mean, he made them look easy, and they were not easy plays. And I'm also glad we got him back because he's just a versatile – he can play whatever in the infield. Um, does does Franco play third
2: base? Like I think that's he? where he's going to end up. I think – You think I, so? Okay. I, personally, maybe second, maybe they move Willie, but Willie – like how good Willie's been at shortstop, how yeah. can we move him? I think I, that's oh, the plan, but I, oh, yeah, I, I honestly it. don't know. If
1: Margot was – or not Margot, if Franco could – only play like second and shortstop, then we could keep Wendell and he could be kind of an everyday third baseman because he showed that so well in the playoffs. But just depends, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I mean, I, I, my God, I'm just thinking about that right now. Just having the infield that we could have with Franco in third base, Hamadamas, Lau, and Choi. Ooh. Defensively, that's just an insane <laughs> infield. I don't, I don't know about offensively, but defensively, that's, a, that's an insane infield. I did want to ask. So, um, obviously, with the deadline now passed, all teams had to submit their non-tendered and tendered guys. Of the non-tendered players that were that are now going to be free agents, uh, what are some names that kind of stood out that um, that you either of you think the the Rays should try to you know consider possibly going after in the off season?
2: I need some time to think, Evan. I'll let you go. <laughs> uh, I. I also need time to think. That's a question. (laughs) So okay, a guy that I I think wouldn't fit on this Rays roster, but in a lot of other years they might take a look at it's Kyle Schwarber, and the reason for that is they got Yoshitatsu go on a on a two year deal last year, so he's got one year left on that. That's guaranteed money. They they had to they couldn't non tender Yoshi. Uh, That he plays in terms of the Rays roster specifically the same role that Kyle Schwarber would. And if they hadn't signed Yoshi last year, I could definitely see him going after a guy like Kyle Schwarber, which it wasn't a huge shock that he was non-tendered by the Cubs. The writing was kind of on the wall there. But I'm interested to see where he he ends up. In terms of, like, pitching, I think Carlos Rodon, uh, the the guy the White Sox-tendered, he's dealt with a lot of injury issues. And we've seen in the past the Rays are willing to take risks on guys coming back from injury to try to get them into their system and, and, and see how it works out. So maybe that's a name that the, the Rays realistically try to go after. And who, who knows? Because they, they are probably going to have to add pitching in some capacity at some point this offseason.
0: Mm. Uh, the two guys specifically that I was looking at were the two um, who is it, Renato Nunez and Hanser Alberto, that, that the Orioles non tendered. Just because, I mean, the Orioles are in that weird rebuilding phase, but also keeping guys that they still, you know, I mean, like guys that are they still need to keep the team relevant and then obviously Chris Davis because he's just there and wasting away in Baltimore even though I love him so much for how bad he is but both Nunez and um, both 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 Nunez and Alberto it's weird because I think the one was a 30 plus home run hitter and so this is based off 2019 stats because 2020 is just kind of like oddity year so one had thirty plus home runs. The other one basically hit around three hundred. But I don't like. I don't know if the Rays would need them anywhere. Is the is the thing? Like I think that the Rays just are clogged in so many spots. I just both of those guys. That's they stood out to me and were guys that I had seen play well in the Orioles last year. And just it, it was it was a questionable thought in my mind as to why they non-tendered them. I'm sure it was probably something that had to do with payroll and just trying to keep it low and again, still in that rebuilding phase. But those are two guys that popped out to me that I think they could get on the cheap because not a lot of people, I think, are going to be going after those two.
2: Yeah, Renato Nunez, Like, I, I think that you've got Yandi Diaz. You might you might not go after a guy like Nunez who's got probably more power than Yandi or at least more power than Yandi showed in 2020. I know it was, it was a lot better for him in 2019. But in terms of a, a right-handed hitter that you're going to put at third base, I think Nunez can place him first like Yandi or, or used primarily as a DH. If, again, if there wasn't Yachty Diaz, Renato Nunez would be a guy that I think the Rays definitely would go after. He fits kind of what they want to do and, and having more of the... I, I think they would use him more as a platoon guy. And, yeah, the, the other name, though, Ryan Stanek, who I would not mind the Rays trying to bring him back. And maybe they use him as an opener again where he was really successful because if you you know remember back to when he was on the team... He was great as an opener, and then whenever they would try to pitch him in the seventh or eighth inning, it, it wasn't as pretty. And so maybe, I know he struggled. I, from what I've heard, he really did not enjoy playing with the Marlins. Uh, he dealt with some injuries there, and he just didn't, he missed the Rays from, from what I heard. So I, I don't know if the Rays are interested in him. Obviously, they, they were willing to trade him away a couple of years ago. So we'll see, but that's another name that I'd be, from a personal standpoint, would love to see the Rays try to try to bring back.
0: Evan, are there any, um, since you had uh, some time to look at it, are there any names that kind of – I would
1: also agree with Alberto. I mean, Alberto just kind of – I don't know what it is about him, but he just kind of fits with the Rays. Like I said, I don't really know what it is about him. For how bad the Orioles are, he's kind of a diamond in the rough. He's been playing really well. He always seems to play really well against the Rays. And then I don't – I mean, anybody else I don't really know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it depends how much money we have to spend – Um, which I'm assuming we have a good amount because we don't spend any money, but uh, I would say, I would say Alberto was probably, I, I really like him on the team, I think he'd be a really good asset, and I agree with you, Alex. It'd be good, it'd be a good addition, all right.
0: Uh, so yeah, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's only December 3rd, is of this recording, so there's still a lot of time left for free agency, and we'll see kind of how that goes. Uh, the next big thing that happened was, uh, the the word, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word to say, but the possible concerns surrounding Wander Franco in the Dominican Winter League. um, Luckily, from what uh, he ended up coming back to the States, went back to the Rays, got himself checked out. Uh, Apparently, in terms of he had some sort of a bicep slash shoulder injury, there's no structural damage that the Rays found. So nothing that could be like a long-term crazy issue, but he's not playing in the Dominican Winter League anymore for the rest of the season. uh, for either of you that had heard about that, how freaked out were you? And now, kind of, how are you feeling? Because, I mean, there still might be some lingering, maybe mini problems, but nothing, it seems like, long-term, really, really bad things going on.
2: I, I wasn't freaking out. I mean, it, it's all you never want to see any player injured, especially your, you know, consensus number one prospect in all of baseball. But, I, I was going to kind of wait and see what happened, and it sounds like it's all fine. Maybe he just needs to, to take a take a rest this winter. I know that, that the team he was playing for, the Dominican, they had him and Nate Lowe. Both have now left the team. They just added Brett Sullivan, though, Ray's catching prospect. So um, Ray's heavy team down there. But it, just glad to hear that. That doesn't sound like it's going to be uh, anything that Ray's fans need to worry about long-term.
1: Yeah. I, I was never, like, really upset about it. Like, I mean, obviously it sucks seeing, like, Honeywell – and McKay be injured so much, um, you're like, oh, no, not again. But it never really seemed like it was that bad. And even now it seems like it's even better. So I was never really upset about it. Sure, you never want to see a player injured, but I don't think he's that injured. And he has plenty of time to heal. And he's probably – I mean, do you- is he going to be on the opening day roster? I highly doubt it. But
2: Probably not, maybe, but probably not.
1: I, I Yeah. And so, like, he still has more time to heal. If he's not on the opening roster, so I think I mean he he should be fine, hopefully.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping too. I, I just got nervous because anything anything involving injury news uh, with your number one prospect, just things start to get a little bit crazy. So I was like, oh god, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm i thankful that it wasn't anything too bad. Uh, the other thing that happened again, this is this is going to be something that I don't think if there it, it doesn't seem like there's going to be anything that's going to be affected uh, in terms of the short term and hopefully not the long term. So the race top pick Nick, Nick Bitsko in the, in the 2020 draft, he just had surgery uh, yesterday on his right shoulder to repair um, uh, what's uh, it says uh, Topkin just said labrum. I don't know if it was ruptured or, or what happened with that. So he's going to miss part of the 2021 season. Um, it, I mean, again, we're not expecting I mean, he just turned 18, like a week after the draft. So he's 18 right now. So he's not going to be up on the team anytime soon. Uh, But I don't, uh, I mean, talking about him is like, based on the, the pitching prospects that the Rays currently have, when do you guys see Bitsko coming up as a possible person that could really play well? Uh, into the Rays rotation, or maybe they'll trade him away as some sort of piece moving forward.
2: Given the fact that he's only 18 and he's already dealing with, uh, you know, he's going to miss probably uh, some of the season with the with the labrum injury. and We don't even know what minor league baseball is going to look like this year or moving forward. It sounds like it's only going to be four affiliated minor league teams. I, I have no idea what their plans are for Bitscale because he didn't get to pitch at all this year, and it's really going to be interesting to see like how minor league baseball works from here on out. I wouldn't even have him on the radar for another four years at least because he is so young. It is worrying that there's a labor issue already, and that's something that he might have to deal with for his whole career. Not good news. Uh, again, not something I'm panicking about, but definitely not something to hear. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of when he's actually going to be on the radar, he's got plenty of time. So,
1: um Yeah, I mean, he's still – in high school, like, I mean, he, I agree. Like, probably twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, that we even think about him coming up. I mean, you get a labor issue that early; that's never a good sign. It's always due to either re aggravate him or maybe even do some. May I mean, I don't know how serious a labor issue is, but you could even maybe, hopefully, not tear anything in his elbow or anything. But I mean, that's just asking for more injuries. Sadly, and I think. Yeah, I don't think he's going to come up until 2025, probably, at the earliest, I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, uh,
0: yeah, I, I'm kind of expecting the same thing. I hope that, you know, he's young, and we just found out about this, and I'm hoping that it's not going to be some lingering um, uh, ongoing problem for him because, I mean, he can throw absolute cheddar at 18. So I'm hoping yeah. that he can continue on that moving forward. Um, so, again, hoping for the best there kind of the last thing of this is more of a fun topic in terms of news. But uh, so I saw that the Rays and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So the Rays own the Rowdies who are the USL championship team that currently plays in St. Petersburg. Uh, They won the Eastern conference championship or whatever that's considered in the USL championship. And the Rays obviously won the AL pennant. So uh, they're, they're apparently going on some like road trip championship thing tour. That's in the Tampa Bay area. I don't know. Brett, I don't know how close you are to the Tampa Bay area where you're living, but uh, how much do you know about this? And I know that today was the first day and Brett Phillips was taking was doing like photo ops of people. Absolute legend that he is like, uh, what what are you hearing about that?
2: Yeah, so I I live over on the other side of Tampa Bay, so like just south of Tampa in the Brandon Riverview area, or that's where where I grew up and I, I live in Tallahassee now, but I'm a huge Rowdies fan as well. So watching them go on that run this year was great. I was going to be at the championship game before it was canceled uh, due to COVID reasons. And that's really the reason why they're just the Eastern conference champions and not the USL uh, cup champions. But yeah, I I had a buddy that uh, their first stop today got to go see the Eastern conference trophy and the AL trophy and got a picture with Brett Phillips. Uh, They were doing the uh, airplane celebration. (laughs) Um, yeah, Brett Phillips is a legend. I don't know. It's just it's just cool, and it sucks that I've I said the same thing about the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Tampa Bay Rowdies and Rays. Like they're all they all had amazing seasons, and it really sucks that fans couldn't be there. So to get a to to get to see the trophy and to get to do something like this, I think that's just really cool for for any fan that gets to do it.
0: Yeah, Evan, um, I know that you probably saw it on social media. Uh, how jealous are you that you're not down
1: there right now? <laughs>
2: I mean, I'm pretty jealous.
1: He, he, his friend met Brett Phillips. So I mean, I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> jealous about that. <laughs> I mean, I still can't. I that happened over a month ago, and I still can't believe that, that happened. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's the man, and that's really cool. I didn't know the. I knew I saw something about that on Twitter. I didn't know the full extent to it, but I did not. I don't really follow soccer, so I don't really know much about the realities, But that is really cool. How both of them kind of had that joint celebration together especially during I mean I don't know how they did it during the pandemic but that is pretty cool it sucks that uh
0: COVID caused the cancellation of the championship game because they never really got a chance to play out what would have happened and I don't know if they were the better team um coming out of Eastern Conference or the Western Conference team was better I don't know what that was I'm sure Brett you probably know a little bit more about it
2: yeah, it was it was going to be a good game. It was pretty close. Uh, the Rowdies were only going to host uh, because of a, some controversy that Phoenix got themselves involved in. Uh, that's a, that's a whole other podcast. But it was it was going to be an exciting game, and I I don't know how it was going to end up. I do think it was going to be a close matchup, and sucks that it just it just didn't happen and hopefully the thing is though and without turning this into a rowdy's podcast is the usl championship there's so much roster turnover year to year because it's a second division american soccer league a lot of those contracts are one-year deals and a lot of players just don't come back so it's not like you can just be like, "Oh, the rowdies will run it back next year." They're, they're still very good. They might be very good, but they're probably gonna have a lot of new players, and a lot of the players that they had on, on this year's teamer won't be back. So that that was really the saddest part. Is you watch them throughout this season, and then not to get to finish it off, it really sucked.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely understand that. I mean, yeah, I feel for those players. That's that. That's brutal for them. They worked. Yeah, their tails off the whole year. So
0: I was curious, Brett. Uh, talking more about you since we got done all of the news and i'm sure that we'll get plenty more news as the weeks go on because free agency is going to start up trades are probably going to happen um hopefully things will be exciting uh for what it is in this crazy pandemic COVID time that we have uh so you said you grew up um on the other side um of the um of the tampa area of of the city of you know all of that Uh, can you talk about growing up um did you grow up a race fan what was your team growing up uh and how did it evolve into your Rays fandom currently?
2: Yeah, uh, born and raised Rays fan, and and I loved like hearing. I didn't know that t- you know until I met you guys today that that you guys weren't Rays fan Rays fans growing up, and that you kind of adopted the team growing, up, which is really cool. Because I don't think there's a lot of Rays fans out there. Trust me, I don't think a lot of fan, Rays fans like you guys exist though, which is really no, cool to see.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, we're weird. <laughs> so a lot of Yankees and O's fans. So. Well, I,
2: there's a lot, a lot, a lot of Yankees and Red Sox fans down in the Tampa Bay area too, which is really yeah. sad. But born and raised, Rays fan. My dad grew up a Kansas City Royals fan, and his idol was George Brett. So that's how that's how I got my name. Uh, But when he moved to the Tampa Bay area and and before the the Rays existed and when they finally got the team, he he kind of jumped on that bandwagon. He wanted to be, you know, support the hometown team. And so when I was born in 99, uh, born and raised, raised fan was, you know, going to games even from before that. What I can remember. And in 2008, we had season tickets on the front row of the visitors dugout. So I was there for, for a ton of those games, a ton of those moments, the clinch the playoff. Uh, when they clinched their spot in the playoffs, the Twins, I was there for the first playoff game. I was there for, for game one of the ALCS. I didn't get to go to a World Series game, but that year when I was, you know, just nine years old and I really, you know, growing up a Rays fan, didn't really know what winning was until 2008. So that was a really cool experience and then, and then going to games, you know, ever since then and riding with the team through the highs and the lows. It's been a ton of fun. And when I got to college, you know, I I had kind of thrown around the idea of, of of starting some sort of podcast and it it made sense to do a raise podcast. And it's been really fun and I love doing it and hopefully, you know, get to go back with those instant reaction podcasts at the end of, uh, end of next year and celebrate a world series.
0: I mean, that would be great. So Brett uh, talking about this season, and because, I, because we've been asking all of our guests this, just talking about how kind of the season unwrapped for the team. Coming into it for you, what uh, – in terms of not I, – I guess we can do both March and then July uh, coming into the 60-game um, the season. What were your expectations for the team? And did uh, – in, in terms of uh, – I mean, did you think that they were going to go as far as they did in the playoffs? Did you think they were going to make any sort of playoff run? And did the anticipation that you had at the start of the season get exceeded by what ended up happening by the end of the season?
2: Expectations really in March and in in June, July, when when they they reported to summer camp, were were to make the playoffs. You know, they were a team that won 96 games the year before, you know, forced game five against the Astros and the ALDS. The expectation was to make the playoffs, and you looked at the rest of the division. Boston lost uh, in, in one off season. Uh, Mookie Betts, David Price, and Chris well ended up losing Chris Sale to Tommy John surgery, and then Eduardo Rodriguez for, for COVID reasons. So, other than that, you know, you had Toronto, who who was a young and up and coming team, but the only other competition in the division were, were the Yankees. And so, the, the the expectation for me, at least, was make the playoffs and stay competitive in the division. And then as we got to summer camp, I was thinking the Rays had a real chance to, to really win the division here and, and, and go on a deep playoff run because, in and this was really the storyline, they were built for a season like this. 60-game sprint. Uh, they they had a ton of pitching depth. And if they stayed healthy, things were looking really good for them. And I actually wrote an article on D-Rays Bay uh, talking about uh, potentially you know how much value there was and at the at a, before the day before opening day, a Rays future for them to win the AL East was plus three seventy five, and I thought there was a ton of value in that, like, given that the only competition was the Yankees. And so I wrote a you know an article on D Rays Bay. I was like, there's a lot of value in this if if you're a, a person that likes to to place a bet here or there that maybe you look into the Rays winning the AL East, and you know they they went ahead and did it by by seven games. So it's never like world series or bust in the game of baseball. Like it should never be like that just because once you get to October, anything can happen really. But the fact that the, you know, they, they, they won the division so handily. And I know the Yankees dealt with injuries, but the Rays did too, uh, was really impressive. And it, it did kind of take the enjoyment out of the season when, when they, when baseball announced it was going to be a 16 team postseason, because then it was like, it felt like the Rays had punched their ticket on opening day, but Still had fun with it, and to see them win forty games was incredible.
1: Did you say they were plus
2: three seventy
1: five? Yes. That's that's disrespectful.
2: I thought so too, and the reason I think it was because it's like the Yankee. I think I think public. The public was probably on the Yankees. I don't remember what the Yankees' odds were, uh, but the the implied probability was like way on yeah. for the odd for the gambling odds was way lower than it was on fan graphs. Or any other uh, like Pocota, it was lower than s- the steamer projections. There was a ton of I didn't place a bet on it, but I, I kind of wish I had.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, it would have. that a nice little payout. But yeah, yeah, that I'm shocked. I didn't. I mean, I didn't really look at the. I do kind of bet, so but like I didn't realize it was that high. That yeah, I'm plus, glad we showed up. Yeah, plus plus three seventy five just seems
0: crazy high. Like yeah. I, I mean, like I would have. You know, I didn't. I didn't. I did. I, I will say, I, <laughs> this is going to sound bad and good at the same time. So, I did. Uh, I do another sports podcast with a couple of my friends, and we did like preseason projections. I had the Rays winning the East. I had us going to the World Series, and I had us losing in six to the Dodgers.
2: <laughs> That's, yeah.
0: I hate that I picked them losing in six because I could have said winning in seven, and it might have happened. But no, I had to pick them losing in six and crushing my heart. <laughs> out winning in four would have been great um but man plus 370 see that just seems crazy but i mean also betting is i'm sure that brandon lao to win al mvp like if anyone would have taken that that oh. would have been some like crazy bet and he was leading the al mvp race after a month i mean
1: he ended up slumping oh you
2: would have won a lot of money off that bet so I found the article. It, it was three. It was plus three fifty. I, I might, it might have been plus three seventy five in another book, but plus three fifty odds is a twenty two percent implied probability. The Yankees were minus three hundred five to win the division. That's insane. And that is my, The whole point. The whole point of the article was these are the only two teams in it. Saban hadn't lost the play. I could see the Rays being around plus three fifty. That seemed probably more fair but the the fact that it that it was plus 350 and like Fangraphs had them at like a 35% chance to win the division which I thought was more fair uh given a 22% implied probability like you should take that 10 times out of 10 and yeah. it, it, w- it would have paid out.
1: Yeah, I, kinda like that. I mean I'm not suggesting that the team looks at the betting odds but I mean I think the team likes that they're always the rays are always the underdogs like they're no matter how good they are they're always that small market team that yeah, sure, they're going to be good, but you don't really expect them to do that much. And I think they like that. I mean, a Rosarina always seems like he has a chip on his shoulder. They all do. I mean, I think they kind of thrive off being like, "Yeah, we're we're legit. Like we're we might not have the money, but we're as good or if better than the Yankees and the Red Sox. Like we can we can stick with these guys." And I like I like that about them. I like being the underdog story. Yeah, I did yeah, want to
0: say. Uh, did you guys? So going into every playoff series, I always thought they were the underdog, including the Astros series because I thought the Astros had such like the the value in that series was the experience that the Astros had that core had because that core won a World Series regardless, disputed or not disputed, controversy or not controversy. They won the World Series because if they wouldn't have won it, then it would have looked worse. So they did the thing, cheating or not cheating, and then they got to another one and won the AL West 3 4 straight years. So they had the experience that the Rays didn't and they beat the and they had the, and they had the chip on the shoulder that they beat the Rays the previous year. I know that they lost pieces but they still beat them. So in every series I thought they were the underdog. I don't know if you guys thought the same way, but that's at least how
1: I felt coming in. Uh, I don't know if I would consider them the underdog in every series. I could have seen them losing in every series. Uh, there's I think there's a difference there like we definitely weren't the underdogs against the Blue Jays, but I could have seen them. Oh, the no, one. no,
0: sorry. The Blue Jays was the only one that I was like, we're going to okay. win that series. <laughs> yeah. I meant I meant the Yankees, Astros, okay. and Dodgers. I thought that they were all underdogs but in the series. The Yankees
1: we were definitely the underdogs, no doubt about it. Um, we could have been 20 games up in the Yankees that year, and we still would have been underdogs. Um, and, I mean, the Astros, I would say we, weren't, we were favored. We were favored, but um, – but I understand your point like the experience in, in the postseason is priceless and yeah we had what six games in the playoffs last year that was pretty good experience and we had a yeah we wanted to get revenge on the Astros but they, I mean they had their core what four together that has been in the playoffs for four straight years or something ridiculous that I understand that but I wouldn't say we were taking the underdogs I think we were still we were like what ten we were I think we there was the second largest win differential and a playoff series history, so I think we were definitely favored or favored, but um, yeah, I think, and then definitely the Dodgers we were underdogs.
2: Yeah, I didn't, I, I felt confident trying to, to look at each of those series from like an unbiased perspective that the Rays should have won. Uh, you look at that Astros team, yeah, they they kept their their position player core together, but they were without Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, their two best pitchers, so. That one, I, I, I was nervous just because it was a shot on the World Series on the line. With the Yankees, though, like growing up a Rays fan and the fact that because we've played the Red Sox twice in the postseason before, that's kind of been our, our, our biggest rival. And like the 2008 season in general has kind of fueled the the Rays-Red Sox rivalry. But the Rays-Yankees rivalry has been there, too. And obviously we saw it come to come to blows this year or almost really come to blows. Um and they had never played each other in the postseason, so that one I was most nervous about. Like I said, going back to the point that like I grew up around a lot of Yankee fans uh, in in the Tampa Bay area, and there's a lot of reasons for that. There there's spring training facilities down there. A lot of uh, people that move from up north to the Tampa Bay area raise their kids as Yankee fans, uh, which I take issue with. But that that like vindicate it, it, it was it, that vindication when the Rays won in Game Five, in terms of like. In terms of, I don't think they were underdogs. Like, I think the Rays were a much better team than the Yankees this year for a lot of reasons, but it was the true underdog story, and I, I hate kind of admitting that because I think the Rays are, are, are good enough and should be treated as such. But the, the Brasso home run it was like the perfect ending to, to that story. And as far as I'm concerned, that was the best moment of, of, of the season and probably oh, that the was, that, was,
0: that was easily in the Rays history. I, I watched that. I was pacing back and – so I'm currently in my basement. I was pacing back and forth in my basement. Like, I, I'm extremely superstitious when it comes to games, so I was doing the same crap behind the chair that I'm currently looking at. And then he hits the home run. I don't scream or anything. I just watch it go out, and I'm just in a state of absolute shock where I'm like, he didn't – like, no. No, no, that didn't happen. No – oh my god what and then the last three outs I went back onto my laptop I put on Spotify listened to like some 70s R&B music and was <laughs> the most and I think I was the calmest I've ever been watching a game those last three outs of game five because that was insanity
1: that, that game that was that, that was miserable to watch like that was just oh, it was miserable. so bad that was like Watching that game, and I was – like, my roommate here at Maryland is a Yankees fan, so it was – I mean, that was literal, literal torture watching that game. It was just so suspenseful. Like, you didn't really know what was going to happen. They went up in the third inning, third or fourth inning, you were like, oh, shoot. Um, but the, I think that win is probably the most satisfying win I think I've ever watched the race mm-hmm. have because, like you said, the flares that came up during the season, just the tra- the – the bitterness between the two franchises that have come the last two or three years that happened in game five of a series that should have been probably in the ALCS, given how good the teams are Um, just to do that, to kind of stick it to everybody that we're a legit team. We're a legit franchise that, that felt like, I mean, that was the feeling after that game was priceless. That was so satisfying. And Brasso after all that happened between him, him and Chapman, 10 pitches and he hits that out. I mean, you can't write that better. Like you literally, like you cannot write that as a better script. And I don't like that. That was awesome. I mean, that's and literally all I have to say. That was awesome.
2: In the celebration too, is because Mike Brasso had every right to walk around the bases, staring at her Chapman the whole <laughs> way around, but he didn't do that. He like it was it was like a it was a very fast trot and he wanted to make the celebration about the Rays and not yeah. about the Yankees because we you know we were gonna beat them and that was just really cool to see he did kind of give like Chapman like a look back when he got back into the dugout I don't know if Chapman was looking in Brasso's <laughs> direction but the other part about that game was so it was Kevin Cash what an amazing job. I I said it on our instant reaction podcast after game four. I was like, I don't think the rays are going to let any of their pitchers face a Yankee batter more than once in game five. And they didn't glass now faced nine uh, Anderson faced nine Fairbanks faced eight. And then Castillo faced whoever else was left. No pitcher uh, that that was used in game five faced a Yankee uh, hitter the second time through the order. And it's just a testament to Kevin Cash and how great he is.
1: Yeah, Brett, I said this. I think I said the same exact thing after, like in our kind of reaction podcast. Like, you could have said a, bu- a bunch of stuff about the race pitching, a bunch of stuff about So I mean, the pitching gave up one, one run against a really high-powered Yankees offense. But Cash did a lot of unorthodox things that game. Put Nick Anderson in the third inning, I think, for, third or yeah, fourth. Yeah, third. Third. He's never done that before. And... I, I was like, what are you doing, Cash? But there's a point where you trust him, and it sucks that it happened in game six, that it didn't work out. But that's those are moments like I'm like, okay, I trust this guy. Because in game five of the ALS, ALDS against our rival, he did this unorthodox thing, and they worked out. And he, I agree with you. He deserves all the credit in the world after that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sucks that what happened in game six. I do want to say uh, the one pitch Brasso uh, hit, I think he – uh, Chapman threw some sort of a breaking ball and he caught it early and basically hit it almost out of Peco. I was like, oh crap, that was the pitch. Like, he's yeah. done after this. Oh, I remember kept... that. I remember I, that. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh my God, he's early on it. That was the pitch. And... Well,
2: like, <laughs> the story of like Mike Brasso, though, is at the beginning of the season, I was like, oh, the, he's just not going to make the team. It's Daniel Robertson's spot. And to see him not only make the team, but have success in. in establish a role on the team you know it's a platoon he doesn't play every day but he was damn good and then not at bat you know they're jokingly earlier in the season you know mike brosso has got a very compact swing and i very. compared it to i compared it to mike Trout's swing and if you look at their two swings they're very oh similar. my god
0: it looks so similar
2: and i'm not saying that mike brosso is mike trout just like
0: take hunter renfro's face Superimpose <laughs> it on Brasso, and then have him swing, and it's Mike Trout in the playoffs. It's, yeah, 100%. forty
1: pounds. He's Mike Trout. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Definitely.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, hey, Mike Trout got into the World Series this year, so congrats to him. I mean, <laughs> big moves. That was a bomb, by the way. That 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 Renfro hit. What was it? That that was in Game Four, right? He hit the bomb. Oh yeah, that was a
1: moonshot. That was. That he was almost right hit that down. out
0: of the stadium
1: game, that, that was that was a absolute moonshot. Yeah, and it yeah. sucks that he got DFA. I mean, he did absolutely
0: nothing this year. No, it
1: doesn't suck. He got DFA. I am happy. like no, no, su- no it,
0: it sucks because of the fact that like he had kind of key moments, like like yeah, he the hit the grand slam, slam in game two of the um of the wild card series. He hits the home run there. He has the two good plays in what was it game one or game two of the AL um, of the ALCS. Like that he had true. good moments. It's just he wasn't consistent and couldn't hit, which sucks yeah uh,
1: yeah i'll give you that is true
0: yeah for his sake uh brett before we wrap this up um so obviously it's it's december things are going to change when it went when it comes to this raised team because the where the roster looks like right now and what it looks like right now is not going to be what it, what it looks like come february and march but what are your expectations for a or for a this off season but also 2021 uh anticipating that the season is going to be 162 now it might not be 162 but in in a hypothetical 162 game situation how are you feeling about what moves they're going to make to improve the team and what do you think is going to happen in 2021
2: obviously they need to add catching the only catcher on the roster right now is ronaldo hernandez and he hasn't played in a big league game so they're going to add probably two catchers on big league deals and probably one or two more on minor league deals or camp invites so that's interesting. I don't know. Other than Real Muto, there's uh, no no guy that can go out there and really uh, – that would that would that would be cra- a crazy move, and they're not going to get Real Muto. So uh, I am really curious with the starting pitching, and I know you guys mentioned it at the top, at the top of the show uh, that Charlie Morton at $15 million might not have been the, the most savvy thing to do. But I still think the team is a lot worse without Charlie Morton. And – I'm very curious to see what they do in the starting pitching market, whether it be free agency or trades, because the expectations are raised now. Like my expectations for 2021, again, it's not world series or bust by any stretch, but it's to win the division again. Like that's the expectation now. And to set yourself up for, for a deep October run. So I, I I made a prediction on raise your voice. That's going to come out next week that they're going to trade for Lance Lynn. Maybe that's a shot in the dark, but We'll see. The other thing I'm really curious about is, is Kevin Kiermeyer, and is he going to be traded? The Brett Phillips move when they went out and got him in August kind of set it up to where you could trade Kevin Kiermeyer and have Manuel Margot and Brett Phillips be your center fielders, and then maybe even Vidal Brujan, who I think will end up at center field at some point uh, in his career. So, Kiermeyer, the Rays value him a lot, as they should. He's the best defender on the planet. It's, I'm curious to see how other teams value him and if they're going to be willing to take on his contract for a really a defensive player that can't hit very well. And if they can, I think the Rays should pull the trigger and, and move and see what they can get for him. Uh, because I, I really like what I saw with Emmanuel go this year, and I'm really excited to see what, what Vidal Brujan can do. So that's kind of what I'm looking out for. My only real prediction is I think they, they're going to go after Lance Lynn and they've got the prospect capital to do it. Maybe even if it's a blockbuster-type deal, get Joey Gallo in that in, in there too. So that's like my, uh, don't get my me excited. I love,
0: don't get me excited. I love watching. I mean, he can't, I mean, he can either, he's getting back to that point. What the, I mean, 2019 was like the breakout year. And then this yeah. year was back to the strike or home run thing. But, Oh my God, I, I love Joey Gallo so much.
2: I would love to see a mash home run to the trap. That, uh, would,
0: that would be, awesome. that would be insane. That'd be insane. But, but
1: yeah, I have one more point. I was like, wrestling. yeah, um, yeah Kiermaier is more valuable than Adamus, but I think they're both in kind of the same boat like they're both really really good defensively um obviously Willie's a lot younger than he is but they just cannot seem to get anything going on offense so where's like I guess I'm asking like where's the fine line between the value on defense that you offer yet you don't offer anything on offense like
0: that's a good point that's a really good point Whatever I mean,
2: it is, personally, I think Kiermaier is way past it. Like, he's valuable, like, just yeah. because of what he does defensively. But uh, Adamus, I'm, I'm not worried about him yet, but I think he's fine.
1: Oh, okay. yeah. But I know, I mean, Willie's one of my favorite players. Like, he's, he's just slick in the field. I love watching him. I could watch him all day. But he, there's a point where I'm like, okay, like, it, if his, his swing is very pretty. You just got to pick it up by a little bit, and I think he's going to be really good. But he was awful. Like, no offense, but he was awful in the playoffs. Yeah. And um, if he just can get one one good, like, month of offense, I think he's going to be a whole different player. Yeah, agreed. Well, uh, Brett, thank you so
0: much for coming on. We really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, I guess before we end this, where can people find what you're doing on social media? Where can people find the Raise Your Voice podcast? Uh, what are you guys doing with all that? And, and yeah, just throw out any links right now. <laughs>
2: yeah you, you can find me on Twitter at, at bG Rutherford nine uh, and then at DRazeBay.com, com you can you can find our podcast or if you just search DRazeBay Bay on uh, anywhere where you where you listen to podcasts, both raise your voice and the hit show the shows that we we put out are on the same podcast feed. so if you subscribe to the DRazeBay Bay feed you get all of those episodes downloaded um, and yeah just uh, you know check it out if you're interested I, obviously, the guys over here at Raise the Roof are, are doing a great job too. And I, I've i loved uh, listening to what, what you guys have been putting out and it's good stuff.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I didn't even know. I mean, I, I know that people are listening. I just don't know who's listening. So <laughs> <laughs> it's great <laughs> to get feedback. Thank you so much. We, we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, bro. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. yeah thanks, thanks for having me on, too. guys.
0: Nice to meet right. you guys too. All right. Well, um, uh, so for us, you can, we just changed our Twitter handle. We're now Raise the Roof Pod. Um, because it just sounds better than Roof Rays, in my opinion. So follow us on Twitter. We'll be posting. Oh, no, that's fine. It was just, <laughs> it was probably just something that Twitter created just to create. Yeah. But... but we're on there. You guys can follow all of us there. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any most podcast platforms, unfortunately not iHeartRadio, but maybe maybe we'll work on that soon. But, <laughs> but from all of us, uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Please wear a mask and raise
1: up. Raise up.